Hey, everybody. It's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madiv's Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Jason Free, who also happens to spend time as the EVP of operations for our fine organization. Jason, thanks for taking time out of your day to spend with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's good to see you. And I don't think it'd be appropriate for me to start anywhere but with safety, particularly given what your role is. Talk to me about, talk to our audience specifically about why you're on a mission towards zero incidents and why that is something you actually think can be achievable. All right. Well, I think that when it comes to safety, many times we treat it like we treat it like a metric, Mike, you know, and, and I think that that's kind of a should not be the, the way we look at it, because to me, the ultimate aspect of respect for people is is around making sure that they have a safe environment and feel safe when they come to work and are well prepared and protected when they come to work. So, you know, outside of just a general metric, we got to we've got to if we're not protecting our people and showing respect for what they do every day. Um, yeah, we're off track. But. Why, why is zero real to me? It's because we've done it. You know, I've, I've lived a lot of my uh, career struggling to get to zero, but I would say within MADIV, we're seeing facilities that are going years with no incidents. We're seeing maintenance apartments going seven years with no incidents. So um, it is, it, it's real, but it's all about leadership. It's all about engagement. So Jason, you've spent a lot of years in a manufacturing environment, in specialty materials, in paper. How would you rate where we are as we come together as MADIV from a safety culture standpoint compared to other places you've been? Yeah, I, I think it goes right back to what I just said. I've, I've been in many organizations. I've been in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of mills and facilities. And I would say in my history within the industry is it has been looked at as a metric. It's been looked at as a goal achievable. It has not been looked at as a culture um, of safety. So when we talk, you know, safety above all is that's a big statement. And that's a that's a big statement because it takes commitment. But what I've seen is different within MADIF is the fact that the culture is what's driving it from a value standpoint instead of a metric standpoint. So you see people engaged. I mean, we have hundreds of incidents and risk reported by our employees on a monthly basis. That's incredible. I mean, that's just incredible. So when we get that kind of engagement, it's part of the culture. So I said it's definitely a difference in just managing a metric. From an educational standpoint, can you walk the audience through our new combined footprint? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I can. We are currently operating 48 facilities and it is a, uh, the, the technology, the technology breadth is a bit overwhelming. Everything from paper manufacturing to film extrusion, to coding, uh, to converting, um, it's uh, to melt blown and, and polymers. It's, it's an amazing footprint, but it is a large group of uh, it's a large group of technology and it is a large group of uh, expertise across the organization. 
And we're in, uh, you know, we've expanded greatly. If you look at the countries we're touching now, uh, everything from South America to the U.S. to Canada, to the U.K., to Brazil, to France, to uh, Germany, to the Netherlands. I mean, it's really become what I would say is a true global organization. And I think the best part of that, I know there may be a question later, but the best part of that is we have an opportunity just to expand our um, ability to learn and learn from different talent, learn from different strategies, learn from different best practices. It's like, uh, you know, it, it, it's like, it, it's, it's like uh, expanding your knowledge base just exponentially beyond what you would get organically within a, uh, a single organization. So the merger is going to be incredibly valuable for our future. We touched on safety already, Jason, but where else do you spend your time throughout these 48 different facilities? What, what are the things that you're, you're most focused on? Yeah, right now it's, it's stabilization. So as you think about bringing these organizations and this many facilities together, it's about getting us to one MADIF footprint, right? Footprint and um, standard. So how we measure success, right? How we, how, we, uh, how we execute strategies in a consistent manager, manner. Um, so all of those things right now, it's, it's a lot of the necessary evil of the work we have to do right now just to get us to you know, that one MADIV structure and uh, moving as one offensive team down the field. And I think that's where a majority of the time is spent. I mean, there's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing that feels like we're accomplishing anything transformational either, which is to come. But right now, we've got to get our feet and our platform underneath us to be able to execute. So a lot of time consumed right now just trying to stabilize that platform. On the Getting to Know podcast, I often ask our guests if they grew up with a desire to be whatever it is they are now, insert role here. And I usually get and I typically expect them to say, no, Mike, I wanted to be a ballerina or a baseball player or whatever. But you're the son of a paper maker, are you not? Did you actually grow up? Is this physically in your blood? I am. Um, my father, uh, we, we lived down in Alabama and worked in a large uh, paper manufacturing facility. And I often, when he had to work weekends, I often was at the mill with him, sitting in his office. Um, they would never let me go on the floor, but I stood and looked at the machinery outside of his window of his office. So that sounds a little hokey, but absolutely, since I was young, I've, uh, I've seen paper machines and paper manufacturing. But, you know, over time, um, and it, it's, it's true for probably most engineers or most guys that go into the, the uh the side of uh, paper leadership or paper management is I love science. I love mathematics and you never know what to do with that. Right. And then you get the time to go to school and what do they push you towards is engineering. So I would say my engineering was focused on the fact that I grew up in that environment. So as soon as soon as I see materials or or paper engineering and science come across the <laughs> across one of the curriculums, how could I go wrong? Right. So the love of that really brought me to where I am today. For those in the listening audience outside of the U.S., I just want to point out that Jason spent his early days in Alabama, which is home of one of the biggest sports rivalries in state that we have in the U.S. What side of the Alabama-Auburn rivalry do you fall on? Roll Tide. So for anybody who knows Alabama, when you're born in Alabama 
and the and the nurse comes in to put the little beanie cap on your head, right? It's either red for Alabama Crimson Tide or that beanie cap is going to be orange for the Auburn Tigers. So when the nurse came in and asked my mother what color beanie does you want, do you want? My mom immediately over uh, uh, vetoed my father and she said, I want a red cap on that baby. So my mother and I are the only Alabama Crimson Tide fans in the family. The rest are all Auburn, Auburn fans. So we hold, we hold, we hold that, uh, that special linkage. <laughs> it's got to make for some very interesting late November family get togethers. <laughs> it will. So Early days in Alabama. Talk to us about the the childhood and kind of the early days. You moved around a little bit. You find yourself now in the upper Midwest. Talk to us about kind of what what the stops along the way have been. Well, yeah. So my entire family, um, born and born and bred in Alabama. So my extended family on both sides of uh, of my uh, my parents' sides are all from Alabama. And uh, like you said, Mike, um, you. Uh, I follow my dad with his career, and my dad's uh, career took him from Alabama to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So for those who know those two areas, there's nothing different except the accent. So it's uh, when we go to the Upper Peninsula, it is, it is absolutely rural and a little bit of backwoodsy. But um, we moved up there, big move for us, and um, that is where I went to school. That is where I met my wife. And we did give it a run to go back down to Alabama to work a little bit after I graduated. But uh, I think some can attest when you try to take a, a, uh, a Yankee girl and take her down to uh, Alabama, that can be a really tough, uh, that can be a really tough environment. So uh, in good form as a great husband, we ended up relocating back to the Midwest. But I'll tell you, um, you know, the Midwest for me, the seasons, right, the people, Everything about the Midwest feels like home and, and uh, has for a long time. So glad to be here. So you've got a truckload of kids, a handful of grandkids. Uh, talk to us about the personal life. <laughs> so I think one of the questions you may ask in a minute is what do I do for, for fun, right? What's my hobby? So you just named it. So I have, I have five children. Uh, ages range from 30 to 15 currently. And... Um, of those, my older children, my three older children, have now uh, provided the blessing of six grandkids. So for my, uh, for my wife and I, we kind of started when we were young. We we're about 21 years old, and uh, we have had babies in the house until this day. So it's, it, it, it like never, we never had empty nest syndrome. It was just a, a smooth, uh, smooth layover. But there's a lot of, so we're very close. Family's close here. Uh, all the grandkids are close. So... We have a Sunday dinner every Sunday, uh, and everybody comes over. So my poor wife, uh, the, the the blessing that she is, she serves 17 people dinner every Sunday, and we get together. And it's one of the uh, one of the best ways that we can build memories for those kids that are that are in the house. So it's a wonderful thing. So the two younger guys are still at home. They're still at home. Yeah. So they're uh, they're still there. Two boys. Uh, my, I have a girl as the oldest. And then I have four boys behind that, two youngest boys still at home. And of the three out of the home, what is the furthest distance from your place to that child? Uh, Jason will be the furthest. He's up in Green Bay. So he's, what, 35 miles away. Okay. So not, not far at all. We're pretty close all here together. Now, we talked about you being an Alabama fan from a college football standpoint, being 
in the upper Midwest, in Wisconsin. You have a son living in Green Bay. Are you guys Packer fans? Um, I am not going to say I'm a Packer fan because I don't, I don't exercise the commitment necessary for other Packer fans to say I am. Um, I love to watch them. There is nothing like Lambo and a home game. I'll tell you that. So that, that is something that I really enjoy. Uh, I am not a diehard. I don't follow them like I don't follow them like sometimes I think I should or my son thinks I should. But growing up in Alabama, as you can imagine, there uh, when you're starting to develop those, uh, you know, those uh, those interests, there's no good football team anywhere close to Alabama. So what do you do? Is you find up you end up finding the best you can, uh, the one you like best. And if I if I was to say NFL, which I'm SEC football college is the way to go, but if I if I go to the NFL, I'm going to have to say a Steelers fan. I'm a big big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jason, I don't know how we stumbled upon this conversation through the last couple of years, but we were traveling together, and um, somehow it became abundantly clear that you really know music going back to i don't know what 70s 80s music is there anything outside of what we pay you to do that you have more knowledge of or passion than 70s and 80s music probably not that no that's gonna that's that's gonna be it so and i share that i share that um skill and talent with my wife so oftentimes my wife will uh, uh compete with me on music trivia, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's about 70% of the time she wins. So um, I'm, I'm good, but she's great. <laughs> I have sat in many a rental car on long trips across parts of our fine nation or even through, through parts of Europe trying to stump Jason with music trivia and uh, most often come up, come up short. Do you guys still go to a lot of concerts? Uh, we do. Um, as a matter of fact, right before this call, uh, she sent me links to the next ones, which she wants to go see. So, um, yeah, we, we end up going to, I would say, on average, you know, COVID kind of put a damping damper on it. But we try to hit, you know, anywhere from three to a half dozen a year, um, depending on uh, where they're at and how much they cost. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty avid. Do you remember your first ever concert? I do. My my first ever concert was um, it was 1975. I was six years old. My uncle was actually babysitting me, and he took me unknowns to my mother. He took me to a Kiss concert in Huntsville, Alabama. So you can imagine the eyes of a six year old when you see pyrotechnics. It's pretty amazing. That's probably that's probably what started the whole thing, Mike. That's that's what drove the whole thing. That's a pretty good start. What's the best concert that you remember? That's a that's a that's a good question. I, there, there's there's a few I would say. Uh, I was able to see the Eagles, which was a history of the Eagles that they did acoustic. So they went through all their songs and the history of how they wrote and developed all the songs. Um, that was a great. That was a really great concert. That's probably the one that's most memorable. Of course, I'll go back to Kiss in 1975. How could I? How could I ever get that out of my mind? That was pretty awesome. Did you ever see Kiss again after 1975? I did not. No, and I it's been on the list like a dozen times, and we just haven't. Uh, you know, when I grew older, Mike, you start to realize how how terrible they were at being musicians and singers, and it's like this: don't kill the don't kill the illusion. So. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. 
That's fair, fair enough. What else do you guys do for fun? Uh, so, well, it's, uh, I mean, it's Wisconsin. So we spend a lot of times outdoors. My, my wife loves to hike. She loves to get outside. Obviously I am a, I am a hunter, uh, at heart and have been since we moved to the Midwest. So that is, that is where I spend a, a lot of my time. We do have some, some property to the North of here that, uh, I would say that, uh, we're at probably 20 to 30 times a year. So that's where we take the kids. That's where we have our fun. And do you do bow hunting? Or yeah, I'm a I'm a bow hunter. I do not rifle hunt much at all. I used to when I was younger, but uh, the challenge just was not there. So I, I stayed with the bow. Gotcha. So circling back to your role here with Matt of leading all operations, what what's your experience been so far as we've come together, Jason? Yeah, I... I would say that, um, and we've said this, probably heard this so many times, is about the cultures. I believe that we have, I was very pleased with the cultures that I experienced, even as I got into the mills, right? You just see a lot of energy. You see a lot of optimism. You see a lot of, of uh, you know, improvement mentalities, which was really good. Even as we brought our operations, our global operations team together, it's a pretty even mix of Heritage Nina and, and Heritage SWM employees um, and leaders. And I would say that I was most surprised by how well we clicked immediately. Um, it, was, it was as if we have worked together for decades. So that was absolutely refreshing. Obviously that gives me a lot of optimism about how well we're gonna be executing as a team uh, in the near future. So great, great group of guys on both sides and, Great to have them on the team. Do you feel like we have similar commitments to safety? I think I think there's differences, uh, certainly in how we approached our strategies around safety, and I talked about that a little bit before. But I think that's true uh, individually in both companies, different different facilities at different levels of maturity, um, and you see different levels of execution based on on the strategies they deploy. So I would not say there's a definitive difference between the two companies. I see the mix across all of our facilities almost equally in, in maturity and excellence. So, right. Jason, if you go back to the young kid coming out of, I guess, Wisconsin, Stevens Point, just kind of getting the family together, just kind of setting off in your career. And you could go back to that kid and give him one piece of advice that is clear to you now with the benefit of experience and exposure and all the things that you've seen, what would you, what would you say to that kid? Boy, great question. I think, and this kid did this, and I think I did it by mistake or did it by accident. But first of all, do what you love to do. I love what I do. It's been a great career. But I love it, and I think I do well at it because I, I do really enjoy coming and in, in doing what I do. Um, I've, got, I've got those young kids at home right now, and those conversations have already started, is you need to make sure that you know what your heart and your passion is, and you go after it, right? You go after it with, with all your energy because um, there's certainly a lot of situations in life where you end up places you don't want to be. And that can, uh, that can, that can, you know, that can lag on for years. That can lag on for a decade and before you know it, you lost that time. Right. So really think about what you love to do, who you love to do it with and, uh, focus on that. That's great advice.
So Jason, of the people with whom I've worked, I think you probably have the most history and and probably the, the, the closest partnership historically with Julie. What would your cliff note story about Julie be to all of these employees who are just, you know, maybe getting to know her a little bit? Yeah, that my my cliff notes goes a couple ways. I think that um, the one thing that I connect on with her is we're here to deliver results, right? That's that's what we're here for, and I think she's very results oriented. Um, and then I think the other thing, what I would say, is available and supportive. That's one of the things that uh, you know I take that for granted. And when I talk with people from other businesses or company. And I talk about the openness and the connectivity and the transparency and the support that, that I've gotten from, from her over my career. It's uh, something I believe I take for granted because it sounds like it's unmatched. Um, but again, it's uh, from the standpoint of just uh, being an available and uh, being an available and supportive leader is, is the two words I would sum that up best. Yep. Well done. Would agree with that. Would second that fully. Jason, this is not your first rodeo. You have done the Getting to Know podcast before. You know that at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those now, and we may compare and contrast and see if anything's changed in the free family um, since. But I'm going to hit you with the first one now, and that is what is always in the free family refrigerator especially given the fact that you've got 17 plus people coming over every Sunday. <laughs> oh, what is always in the fridge, Mike? Uh, it's, it's almond milk. I, 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 we have not, uh, have not changed from my, my original answer there. And I always, like I said last time, it's, uh, I don't know when it happened, right? It's like all of a sudden I've been drinking almond milk for a, a, a decade. And at some point my wife pulled the old switcheroo on me for that. But um, yeah, that's what's going to be there, front and center, if not one, three cartons. I have to admit to the listening audience, that was a big surprise for me living in Wisconsin in the middle of Dairyland that, that the big ops guys drinking almond milk. But um, I, too, have made that switch. Uh, I'm not sure when. But um, all right. Second question for you. Amongst those who know you well, Jason, what would you say you're most famous for? Well, it's quickly becoming music trivia, Mike. So uh, thanks for that. Thanks for that call out before. Uh, but uh, you know, I think what I'm most known for within the ones that know me best would be in my family is my love and all in commitment around the holidays. So whether it's Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, now I have a big family, so that makes it so much more exciting. But we're all in. Um, we just. Uh, you know, this past Halloween was, uh, I was, let the, let the kids pick what my outfit was. So um, I, I go all the way in and I walked around the neighborhood as a giant penguin for four hours. But uh, that, that's where it's at, right? We really spend a lot of time with family. We really make it exciting. Um, you'll hear me use the phrase, uh, you know, we're making memories. And that's, that's something that's really important to me is make sure I'm making memories for those kids that uh, they'll have the rest of their life. That's great. Now, when it comes to like Christmas, does that include decoration, going all in on a bunch of gifts? Like, is that, is that, it's the whole deal? Good question. So I, there's two things that I hate in life. One is hanging Christmas lights 
And two is painting. So like painting a room in a house, for some reason, it's just those two things drive me crazy. So no, I do not, I do not get big on the decorations. So it's certainly a dichotomy of my Christmas spirit. We go big on presents. We have a great time um, uh, with buying a lot for each other. But uh, if you come to the outside of my house, you'd swear I'm the Grinch because there's not a lot going on outside as much as there is inside. And it's awesome. All right, Jason, last question for you. What would you say you're most looking forward to right this very moment? I think as I, if I look at the business, the thing I am most excited about right now is thinking ahead and where we're going to be in a couple of years with this merger, with the team I've built, with how we're going to accelerate our ability to execute and learn. Um, that is really what I'm looking forward to right now. And the other thing out there for me, and this is the thing that I love most about my job, there's a lot of facilities out there that I have not visited yet. I mean, there's such a big list that it's hard to get to all of them. Uh, but as we get through uh, kind of this season and the holidays to get back on the road and uh, really get out there and meet people in the facilities that I haven't been to, um, again, that's part of my job. So really looking forward to that. That's great. Well, Jason, thank you for taking time with us today. For those of you in the listening audience, I will tell you that he's not bullshitting you when he tells you he really loves what he does. You see and feel this from him. And when he says, you know, his advice would be to go at it with all your heart and energy, you do a great job of that, Jason. So thank you, Jason, for everything. And for those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time as well. I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Jason and we'll talk to you again in two more weeks. My pleasure, Mike. Great to talk to you.